0: morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Built on the Rock podcast. I'm excited to be here today and to share with you all some important truths that we've learned from the Word. We've learned things about God's character. We've learned how He views us. We've learned how to walk with Him and how to live with Him and to receive from His storehouse. So today, that's a little bit of what we're going to be getting into. Last week, we had Pastor James, and the week before that, we had Pastor James with us. That was was some really good word, and I was was... It was really nice to be able to sit back and listen and just receive. Yeah,
1: it was really good.
0: So, today, though, I'm here. We're invested in the Word. Oh, yeah. You ready to get in the be, Word?
1: I'm ready to get into it. So, today, we're going to be talking about the Good Father. And kind of like what you were just hitting on in the intro there, we we're talking about His character and how He views us and how He looks at us and how He sees us. And so, we're going to be going to Luke chapter 15. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus shares multiple parables. And through these three different parables that he shares there, he's showing us how much God cares about us, how much God loves us, and the way God really looks at us. Yeah. And so I think it's very important that we go through this and we get an idea of how God sees us. Because if we know how he sees us, then it's easier to walk in that relationship with him. It makes it, It's like, oh, well, he's not up there. You know, trying to strike me down, or he's not up there turning his back on me, or he's not, you know, getting trying to get away from me. He is pursuing me and wants a relationship with me. And so it just changes your whole mindset about God and about your relationship with him. And so the main things that I want to hit today is that he is looking for you, he's willing to receive you, and he's able to restore you. Those are the three things that he brought out to me when I was going through this chapter in Luke. And so let's get into our scripture here. It's uh, Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Would you like to read that for us today? Yeah, I'll read it. Yeah,
0: Luke 15, 1-7. through 7, We are reading this in the Passion Translation. Verse 1. Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns among the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, Look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. In response, Jesus gave them this illustration. There once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the ninety-nine lambs out in the open field and searched the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. With exuberant joy, he raised up, placed it on his shoulders, and carried it back with cheerful delight. Returning home, he called all of his friends and neighbors together and said, Let's have a party! Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and brought it home. Jesus continued, In the same way, there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents comes back home and returns to the fold more so than for all the righteous people who never strayed away.
1: Yeah, I really like this scripture this first parable in this chapter it's really good because it it really did, it begins to open up how God sees us. Yeah. And so one thing that I wanted to point out here is that you know the shepherd was looking for his lost sheep. He went out looking for it. He, he wasn't like, "Oh, well, they'll come back eventually. They'll come they'll make their way back whenever they feel like it, whatever. No, he
0: They know where home
1: is. Yeah, exactly. No, he pursued the lost sheep. He went after the lost sheep. And so I think, you know, it's important that we see this because it shows us that God really does care about each individual person. Yeah. It's not just a oh, well God doesn't see me or God doesn't care. You know, he sees you. He cares about you where you're at, and he's pursuing that relationship with you. Another thing I think is really interesting, you know, is that when the shepherd found the lost sheep, he didn't he didn't scold it, he didn't beat it, he didn't get mad at it. Yeah. He picked it up, put it on his shoulders, and he carried it back to where he belonged. He carried it back home. Right. And the father does the same thing for us that when we when we get away from him, when we run away from him or when we mess up and we make mistakes, whatever we you know, wherever we're at, when we get lost, in other words, the Lord finds us. And he picks us up and he says, hey, I'm right here with you. I still love you. I still care about you. I'm not mad at you. Come on back home with me.
0: And there's a certain level of protection in that. Because if you imagine, just imagine a sheep that runs off away from its flock, away from its group, away from under its shepherd. There's no protection there for that sheep. A wolf can come. A predator can come and attack that sheep. Yeah. So I believe that's a big factor as to why the Lord pursues us so fiercely. It's because there is a predator, there is an attacker who is trying to devour us and yeah. trying to take over us. And he says, I do not want that for my children and I want you to come back under my protection. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not like he's trying to be a controlling like, Oh, well you have to be here or whatever. No, it's just like you said, he's, he's protecting, he's loving, he's caring. And that's what he's showing us here. And, you know, I thought it was interesting because I, I thought about this example. So I grew up, growing up, I had a animal all the time. I had dogs all the time. And loved dogs, love having dogs and everything. And, but there was several times where, you know, I'd let one go out to the restroom, whatever, at night, you know, and he would run off or whatever and wouldn't come back. I'd sit there be calling and calling and calling be like, you know, where are you at? You know, and I'd start to get angry with the dog. And so I would go out. You know, grab a flashlight, go out, find the dog, bring him back home. And, you know, I'd be so angry that I would want to scold the dog. I'd want to yell at him. I'd want to, you know, just be angry towards him. But ultimately, I was happy that he was back home. Like, I was happy that it was safe. When I found him, I was like, oh, okay, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm, You know, I'm glad that you're okay. And seeing the Lord and seeing how he reacted with the sheep or this good shepherd, which portrays our Lord, with the sheep, he wasn't even scolding it. He wasn't mad at it. He just had that pure compassion of you're safe. You're with me now. I'm taking you back home. And I love yeah. that. I really love that. So he's looking for you. That's the point we want to bring out in that parable right there, that he's looking for you. It doesn't matter if you're lost. It doesn't matter if you know, you've pulled away from God or you feel like you're distant from God. No, he's right there. And it's not it's not that he's looking for you physically as far as he doesn't know where you're at and he can't see. You know, he, God knows everything. He's omnipresent. He knows where you're at. He's right there with you. It means he's pursuing you. He's yeah. He's, you know, seeking you out, pursuing you. And so know that God has not turned his back on you. He's not gone away from you. He's right there with you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're in, he's right there. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is he's willing to receive you. And that's Luke fifteen eight through 10, also in the Passion Translation. Would you like to read that for us?
0: Yeah, I'll read it. Verse 8. Jesus gave them another parable. There once was a woman who had ten valuable silver coins. When she lost one of them, she swept her entire house, diligently searching every nook and cranny for that one lost coin. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, come and celebrate with me. I had lost my precious silver coin, but now I found it. That's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. Every time. Hmm. He says to all his angels, let's have a joyous celebration. For the one who was lost, I have found.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's powerful. I think it's so important here. What's really interesting to see is that the woman was literally willing to sweep her entire house to find this one coin, yeah. you know.
0: Every nook and cranny. Yeah, I mean, she like There's some went dust bunnies under it. the couch that I avoid.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, she. you can tell that she was willing to do what it took to get the coin back. She wanted yeah. the coin back. And so I think, to me, that opens up this idea of God, our Father, our good Father, that he is willing to receive us it's not that he's upset or it's not that he's you know turned away from us and he has not given up on us and i think that's an important thing to know god has not given up on you yeah he has not given up on you this woman was a picture of the way god looks for us when we've messed up and we've tried to hide ourselves you know say you know that coin who knows where it went but that woman wasn't going to stop till she found it until she found that coin in the same way You know, when we've messed up, when we've done something or we've ran away from God or we feel like we're not, you know, good enough to talk to God or to be in his presence. God's like, no, I am going to find you. Yeah. And I'm going to receive you back to me because that's, you know, that's who we are. That's who he is. And that's who we are to him.
0: Well, even just, you know, the last one we talked about the sheep and that, you know, he wants to protect us. He brings us in as a shepherd and, you know brings us back under him.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, with the coin, it shows how we're valued in his eyes. The fact yes. that he even used this parable to describe his relationship with us and that really he good. values us. Yeah. Just like a silver coin is valuable and yeah. you can use it to purchase expensive things, That's costly really things. Yeah. This coin was of value to him. Yeah. So it it's his view of us is that he values us. Not only does he want us back under his protection, but he values us.
1: Well, and the coin didn't lose its value when it, you know, fell to wherever it fell. It didn't lose its value. It was still valuable. And that's why he went after it and pursued it. And so another thing that I thought was interesting, I got this out of the footnotes of the Passion Translation, and I thought it was really interesting. It's talking about how the coin had a Roman authority stamped on it. And in the same way, God has stamped his image on us. He's given us his image. And just because the coin was lost doesn't mean that image left. It was yeah. still there. And so just because you've pulled away or you, you've you walked away or you feel like you're not close to God, the image of him is still there on you. And so that's really important that you get a hold of that, that he is willing to receive you. He is not for, He's not given up on you, and he is willing to receive you. So let's move on to our last point here, and that's that he's able to restore you. And I think this is such an important point. We're going to talk about it in Luke 15, 11 through 32 in the Passion Translation. And this is the last parable that Jesus shares in this chapter, and it's such a powerful story. I've always loved this story, and it's so powerful. So let's get into it. Starting in verse 11, it says Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons, the younger son came to his father and said, Father, Don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate? So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in that land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing even to eat the slop given to the pigs, because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing, and he thought, There are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son and he who was returning home. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, "'Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be.' The father interrupted and said, "'Son, you're home now.' Turning to his servants, the father said, "'Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger.' And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son let's prepare a great feast and celebrate for my beloved son was once dead but now he's alive once he was lost but now he is found and everyone celebrated with overflowing joy now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned and as he approached the house he heard the music of celebration and dancing he called over one of the servants and asked what's going on The servant replied, "'It's your younger brother. He's returned home, and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming.' The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate, so his father came out and pleaded with him, "'Come and enjoy the feast with us.' The son said, "'Father, listen, how many years have I worked like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son, and I've never once disobeyed you? But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness?' Never once have you given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends as this son of yours is now doing. Look at him. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The father said, My son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to rejoice and celebrate like this because your brother was once dead and gone, but now he was alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Wow. It's a powerful story. Yeah. It really is a powerful story. So I think it's so interesting. There's a lot of stuff you can pull out of this parable. There's a lot. And I only want to hit on a few things, but there's so, so much good about the father. You can see in this story and how good the father really is to us. And I think it's interesting that he restored him. He the father, restored the son back to a place of sonship. And so that's the point I wanted to bring out here: that God is able to restore you. So it doesn't matter if you feel like you've fallen from from whatever you had, or you you're not worthy to be in to be a son or a daughter. You're not worthy to 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 carry God's name. You're not worthy to do it. it doesn't but none of that matters because God is able to restore you, and He He wants to restore you. Yeah. And so I think that is so important. So there's an interesting thing I I studied about this and i wanted to share that with y'all and it's uh i don't know if i'm going to pronounce this right it's it's a hebrew word i believe and it's uh kezaza or kazaza i i don't know it's spelled k e z a z a h so i'm not the best at pronouncing things so you just have to deal with it but It basically, it was a ceremony and it says here that if a Jewish, Jewish son lost his inheritance among Gentiles and then returned home, the community would perform a ceremony called the Kazaza. They would break a large pot in front of him and yell, you are now cut off from your people. The community would totally reject him. Importantly, Mm -hmm. the ceremony would take place on the outskirts of the village before the individual could make it make his way back home. And so I was thinking about this and I was looking at it and I was thinking about the father, you know, the scripture says that he saw him afar off. So again, he was looking for his son. Obviously, if he saw him afar off, he was looking for him. And so he saw him afar off and he, you know, he had compassion come up on the inside of him and then he ran toward him. And I, you know, I looked in the, the, uh, the original language of that and it's the word ran there actually means to race. He was running as if in a race. He was taking off after his son, and I was thinking about this tradition that after I read about it, this ceremony, and he was the father knew that that was a possibility of what was going to happen there, and so the father was taking off and running after his son and saying, "I'm going to get to you before everybody else sees you." And in, the, in you know he said it saw him dressed as a beggar. He said, "I'm going to get to you before everybody else sees you." I'm gonna get to you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put oh, wow. put you back into my place of a son before anybody else can see you. I'm gonna get you back the way you're supposed to be. And so he took off running after him. And another interesting thing about this is, and is that think about this. You know, in our culture, in American culture, we don't really think about this because the stuff we wear, we wear pants and stuff like that, so we don't think about it, but. In his culture, they would be wearing robes. That's what they wore back then, you know, or I don't know what you would call a tunic or whatever you would call it that draped down. And in order for him to run like he was in a race, he would have to pull that up and tie it around his waist to be able to run. And so it would have been a very shameful act. You know, this is a wealthy man. Obviously, he has, you know, lots of stuff. He's a wealthy man, has servants, all these things. And he would have to tie that up. And show his legs, basically, which would be shameful. And
0: wealthy men don't run.
1: They don't. They really don't. (laughs) That's a shameful thing. And so, literally, he was running through the village with his legs showing and, like you said, running, which he would not, a wealthy man would not do. To get to his son, he was saying, I'm taking the shame for you so you don't have to. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Just even the idea
0: that the Lord would pursue to the point that he would clothe him. Yeah. So then naturally he could be viewed as the son and not as the beggar.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just saw, had this picture of God saying, I'm going to take the shame for you so you don't have to bear it. And he ran to him and he, he put on the robe, his very own robe. He told his servants, which I thought that was kind of funny too, because I was thinking about the servants. I'm like, this father's running out there. Think about the servants. They're having to keep up with them. They're having to run with them and keep up with them to get out there. Because it says he turned to his servants and he said, go get me my very own robe and go get the ring. And he put these things on him. And each of those things means something, too. And I thought that was interesting that, you know, he put his own robe on him. So he put his image on his son. He's saying, you're carrying my image now. And he said, I'm taking you from being a beggar, the image of a beggar, and I'm putting my image on you. And then he said, I'm taking my ring and I'm putting it on your hand. And that's the ring. It's a seal of sonship. And that means that the son can now use his father's name in transactions or in business. He could, you know, he carried the name of his father from that point forward. And then he put sandals on his feet. And one of the interesting things here is that slaves were barefoot. And so, you know, he was barefoot when he came up to him, but his father put sandals on his feet. And so that showed that he was pulling him out of bondage. He was pulling him out of that place of being a slave to the world back into being his son. And so why am I bringing all this out? I'm pointing all this out because God is a good father and because this is the way he sees every one of us. The same way this father saw the prodigal son in this story is the same way that God sees each and every one of us. And, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, we've ran off or we've done something or we've messed up or whatever. and We're not worthy, but God sees us this way. This is the way he looks towards each one of us. This is the way he treats each one of us.
0: I'd like to point out how the son that, You know, he was off and he was in a famine and he was looking for anything to feed himself. And so he found somebody and he ate the pig slop, worked for the farmer. But then he thought to himself, even from my father's house, the lowest of the low was treated better than this. So he understood the resources his father had. He understood the goodness of his father's house that he would even think to return. But he didn't find himself worthy to return as a son him knowing this, him knowing I've squandered the inheritance. Yeah. But if I come back, even as the lowest of the low, then I will be favored. I will be taken care of. Yes. And so he didn't know his father was going to receive him back as a son, but just for us to show up before the father and say, I'm I'm the lowest of the low.
1: Yeah. But he still took him back and he didn't take him back as the lowest of the low. He took him back. Because he paid, Jesus paid the price for us, so we don't have to be that way. He restored us back into that place of being a son, of being a daughter to the good father. And so I think it's so important that we see how good he really is. And one more thing I want to hit on in this in this uh, parable here, because he talks about the other son, the older son that was there that never left. And I want to look at that because I'm someone who has never really, you know, I grew up in church I've never really gone out into the world and done a lot of those type of things. And so I could see where the older brother got into this idea of, or the older son, he got into this idea of, well, why are you celebrating him? And I've always been here and you've never celebrated me. And I can see that mindset on him. But the thing about it is he was looking at his works as his worth. He was looking at what he did as his worth instead of looking at his relationship with the father as being the worth, where the worth, where the value comes from. And so his father even told him, he said, look, you've been here the whole time you, everything I have is yours. You could use it for whatever you would like, you know, cause the, the son was like, well, you've never thrown me a party for, or given mm-hmm. me anything to have a party with my friends. And he was like, well, you could do whatever you could have that anytime you want. Yeah, Like it's all yours. And so he didn't, the, the older son didn't see it. He didn't see himself in the position he was really in. Right. He saw himself like just a slave to the father. He didn't see himself as a son.
0: Working to gain favor. and Yeah, position.
1: exactly. Exactly. And that's what religion does. That religion, man's idea of God, let me put it that way. Man's idea of yeah. God is that you have to earn anything with God. But God's like, no, I've given it to you because of our relationship. Yeah. I've given it to you.
0: Right. It's like, and because I've been here, he has positioned me when yeah. really it's, I'm in him. Yeah. I receive his goodness and I can, re- I can pull from his storehouse.
1: Exactly. I can pull from- and honestly, it made him bitter towards the other, his brother that yeah. came back from the world. And we should never be in that place where we're bitter towards other people. Right. And-
0: well, and I know one of the things like I even, I prayed to the Lord and I said, you know, cause when I read this story, I thought, wow, what a great picture. That's me the son that returned and you received me. So when I accepted you into my heart, that was the celebration that happened in heaven. And my father received me as I was, but he clothed me to look like him. Yeah. And so, you know, it just kind of broke off all those chains and everything. But now I say, well, I've been serving and I've been here and new people come into the kingdom. And sometimes it's hard to look and see the celebration there, because you say, well, why are we celebrating so much when they've not been here and they've not done the work? They're the last to come in. And I asked Lord, I said, Lord, (laughs) I repent, like, forgive me for this thought and correct it in me that I could celebrate as you would celebrate the ones that are coming into the kingdom. Yeah. Because there's something more to it that we would celebrate the lost sheep. Exactly. And, you know, it's, It's an understandable, kind of like you were saying, it's an understandable thought to think that. Yeah. But it's a correction that needs to be made in our heart. If our mindset is that we're rejected now because you've rejoiced over the lost sheep, you know, and it's not a rejection. It's not a, you do not have access to this. It's not anything like that. It's you've had access and it's time to learn how to ask your father for the things that you're desiring. Yeah,
1: really. It's a change of your mindset. And that's what this whole podcast episode has been about. It's a change of your mindset to say, I see them like the father sees them. Yeah. Because when when you begin to see others the way the good father sees others and you see yourself the way the good father sees you, then you can walk in the things that he's already provided for you you don't have to earn it and you don't have to feel like you're not able to walk in it because of your past no you're in that position because he's sent jesus to die for us and pay the way for us and so that's why we're able to be in that position in that relationship with the father and we can be a son we can be a daughter yeah in that place and it's so amazing so i just wanted you to understand and get an idea of how god sees you that he's looking for you he's pursuing you He's willing to receive you, and He's able to restore you. So no matter where you're at, what you've gone through, or what you're dealing with in your life right now, keep that in mind and know that God loves you and He's the good Father.
0: Yeah. Well, we've cried a little bit today. Got some more revelation. I pray that you've been able to receive what the Father thinks towards you, that you've been able to view yourself as His Son.
1: Yeah, that's really good. I think that's all we have time for today, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up, but we appreciate y'all joining in. We appreciate y'all watching the podcast and supporting us. It means a lot to us, so we just wanna remind you that in Jesus, we are built on the rock.